Wait, hang on. Now that I've hit start recording, can we just do that again? Everybody say, hey, oh, hey, hey, oh, we got the playoffs time. Let's keep it rolling. We're back. Oh, aren't we just, Thomas? Aren't we just? Oh, playoff football has arrived. Playoff football. Sam has been exiled for this week. That's what's happened here. Sam's been exiled, just like the Giants, for his needless, slightly erotic comments. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> he's got, he's been exiled. If you can imagine this, listeners, he's holed up in the little office in the vets with a big book that says cover one for dummies on it. <laughs> <laughs> he's laid in with the Cliff Kingsbury and the how to read a five tackle, uh, a five tech nose tackle. <laughs> <laughs> oh god play a football ed how how excited are you for this weekend's action um i i i am i'm very excited this is sort of this is this is the the war the sort of the floodgate for the shit teams and i quite like every now and again i quite like watching a, fl- a shit team get absolutely like I'm I'm a bit Cecilarian in that I like to watch an, an absolute crap team get the floor wiped with them sometimes, but I also think like if you ask me if you'd have just given me all the teams and like thrown them at me and say schedule it yourself, I think this is exactly what I'd have come up with in terms of like zesty intriguing games. All right, you know I mean the the good thing about the playoffs is is I personally don't like watching the shit teams very much unless they're like fun shit. So when it gets around to playoff time, it's it's nothing but hard-nosed action and exciting play, but in the wintry air. Um, there was uh, I don't know if you saw Mina Kimes' tweet about uh, like sort of what um, wild-sounding sport take do you like uh, or do you firmly believe in that makes you sound like a little bit of a weirdo? I think it wasn't. I've I've worded that incredibly verbatim, but his was that if you want Josh Allen to succeed, Buffalo need to build a dome. So my sort of question is, just while we wait for Max, what what is the one sport take that you believe in that um, if you could change a sport in any way, shape or form, be it change a team, change a philosophy, change a rule, like what what would you do? What would be your one wish list? See, me and Max have had this conversation before, right? But the absolute top of the list would be for the NFL, and it should be whoever scores the touchdown has to kick the extra point. Yes. And I think that would be brilliant. It would be great, because you'd almost get, like, wide receivers taking five snaps of kicking drills at the end of games, or, like, running backs becoming, like, sort of joint kicking specialists. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you'd sort of... You'd lose the um, you'd lose the great kickers from the game, but you'd get imagine sort of like DeAndre Hopkins, but also with a bronze leg. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the tier of. You could imagine sort of... like the the tactics as well that would go into like a team would specifically target a guy not because he's great with his hands, but because he's the best kicker out of all of your <laughs> wide receiver core. So like. Let's say, I mean, let's say that Ocho Cinco wasn't already, like, a great wide receiver anyway, but the Bengals would definitely be feeding him the rock 50 times just to get him to kick 
at least twelve extra points. I think there's yeah. there's a lot to there's a lot to there's a lot to say about that. Obviously, I trust that field goals would remain in the kicker's wheelhouse, so you still have to carry one. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it needs it needs some work. The other <laughs> the other thing I thought about the other thing the idea I thought about was that you could declare before the play how many players you wanted to line up, and the defense had to pick the same number. Oh, so you could choose to have like five on five if you felt that that would provide an end. Uh, a little bit of an advantage, or you could maybe go for like fifty-one versus fifty-one on on each yeah. side of the ball, just a hundred and two man scrum in the middle. <laughs> yeah, that's my idea. All right, I've written to the NFL. How likely do you reckon it is that Goodell changes either of um, those rules? I actually got a letter back, but it was in crayon, so I couldn't read it. Shit! All right. <laughs> um. We got a little a little snippet from uh, from today. We got six games to preview, which is more than we usually do on these preview shows. But we already sort of covered the vast majority of what we want to talk about in the recap. So hopefully we'll be able to get through this pretty swiftly. Um, we're also going to have Max joining us back on the show, but it's just it's just it, the main thing is we got playoff football. Um, we got a little bit of injury news, and we also got some head coaching drama, because, um, I mean, that'll all come up just shortly. Yeah, that's true. I want to rage against the machine about that, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, let's get into it. Where to first, Thomas? Well, first is this. Hello, 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 and welcome to Stiff Upper Lip Podcast, the NFL podcast by Brits. We are in partnership with Gridiron Extra, and we are returning for our third season. So yeah, on we begin with me, Ed. Me, Emma. I'm Sam. I'm Max Saito. And I'm Tom. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Ah, we got playoff football! We've got playoff football. Yes! It's worth noting for all of the other sort of American football podcasts out there that um, podcasts, you know, comfortable with their identity can play jazz. (laughs) Is this a stab at anyone in particular? Oh, you know who you are. (laughs) I I feel like I know exactly where you're aiming as well here. Get some more (laughs) jazz in the NFL scene. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. Jazz plus jazz equals jazz. I mean, we know this. Yeah. Anyway, we got six games of NFL action coming your way. Um, we may as well start with... Well, we may as well just go in order because obviously every game is going to be televised. The revolution will be televised and it comes in the form of Joe Burrow with the Bengals 10-7 and seven on the year. They come in... Maybe the sneakiest, hottest team in the NFL. Uh, they play the Oakland... Well, sorry, the former shell of the Ho- Oakland Raiders, now in Las Vegas, getting their first playoff berth since the move. In a season of... Well, probably the biggest roller coaster season that I might have ever seen in terms of off-the-field drama from any team, and they still made it to the playoffs. Um uh, we've pretty much covered everything that's happened so far this year for the for the Raiders, um, but they come in, they go to Paul Brown Stadium, they play the Bengals, who 
as I mentioned, might be the hottest team in the NFL. Uh, Ed, just a quick point on this. I want to sort of get a a little who's going to win before we even think about touching upon either of these. I've gone Bengals. Where are you going? Oh, Cincy, 100%. Yeah. It it feels like a bit of a no-brainer, which I know, like, playoff football can throw out, like, weird scenarios and whatnot, but the Raiders are here based off of uh, some questionable aggressive play calling, a timeout, and Daniel Carlson being an, an incredibly clutch kicker. The Bengals coming in after having, what, over the last two weeks that he played, Joe Burrow threw for over 900 yards. This this should be one of the most open and short first-round playoff games. And it would mean that the Bengals win their first playoff game since the 90s. So, a lot to be proud of in Sensei, but can they pull it off? Welcome in, Max. Hello. How are you? Not Hi. Too, yeah, not too shabby. You looking forward to some playoff football? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we aren't are. We, yeah. Aren't we just? We've been very excited about it up till now. Yeah. Up until um, just now when I joined and Gary Simon's yeah. gone. Yeah. yeah. It's faded you know away. It yeah. <laughs> it's when 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 I realised that I'm with two guys who've both got horses still in the race for playoff football. It's all right. Mine's going to be the final week that I'll be having a real horse in it, so I'll be joining you in Misery Corner shortly. But... Yeah, next week will be my final week. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, Max, yeah, who, game, just quickly, sorry. Max, who who do you have winning between the Bengals and Raiders before we even get into any pre- previews? Uh, the Bengals, I think. Okay, so I a just, clean sweep thus far. Yeah, I mean, they are the better team, but if we've learned anything from the picks this year, uh, where even the best of us have not really... We've had some absolutely atrocious weeks where you go under 500. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of been hard to predict things. It feels like especially... I, I haven't seen any numbers on it, but it does feel like this year especially has been bloody difficult. And it feels like every other time that we as a group have unanimously voted for something in the picks, uh, there's been an upset. So, yeah, I think the Bengals are top to bottom a, a, a better team but I think there is a path for the Raiders to win this game can I can I bang on an old drum go for it I I, I look at these teams and I think where's the where's the matchup that's going to cause problems and it's the size of Cincinnati's wide receivers versus the size of the the Raiders DBs like do you trust I don't know um, yeah, do you trust any of these Raiders guys catching a contested ball with T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd? Or Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Like, I... Part of me thinks this game's going to be over quickly because if they can feed the ball to those receivers, there's not a lot. I mean, the Raiders will get pressure with Ngakwe and Crosby, and they've been getting pressure all year. And Boro takes an enormous amount of sacks, and sort of like they have a lot of drives killed that way. But I still think that if 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 the Cincinnati sort of air attack can get going, then they'll pull away from the Raiders pretty quickly. I think. I think you touched on what to me the path for the Raiders 
to win this game would be is that, um, yeah, I think Max Crosby leads the league in pressure rate this year. And as you say, Joe, like the Cincinnati offensive line hasn't been as bad as it was last year, but it hasn't been great. And if they can rough up Joe Burrow, um, that is potentially how they can win this game. I think it's going to be freezing cold, isn't it, in Cincinnati for this game? Um, the weather's not looking too pretty, which would obviously be more conducive to a a, a short passing game or a run game. And, and to me, I think, um, you know, the Raiders picked Josh Jacobs very high in the draft for running back, and I don't think so far he's justified it. So this is the kind of game where the Raiders need a good game out of Josh Jacobs for him to show his worth and also just to lean on Renfro and and for Darren Waller maybe to play better than he has done down the stretch and I mean obviously he's been that hurt but you know for him to be a bigger factor and if they can do that and they can limit Joe Burrow they can stay in this game and when you stay in the game down the stretch then there's a chance because the Raiders have won a lot of close games this year yeah <laughs> like a lot like I think I don't exactly know how many they've had at least I would say three game winning like last plays of the game so they're a clutch team and it'll be close it'll be it could be close the thing that um just having a look at like the the two sides of the of the coin for how these playoffs are looking it seems like if any of the AFC teams were to match up against any of the NFC teams you could you could rely on defense and special teams because I think that McPherson, Carlson, uh, Boswell, Butker are all X-factors in the sense that if you are getting within sort of 50 yards in an incredibly close game, which most of these playoff games could potentially be, um, not saying all of them, but most of them could be, I would put my money on any of those four guys being able to kick a last-minute field goal. So it... Even that, like, is taken out of it because the Raiders have won a lot of close games because Daniel Carlson has kicked a game-winning or game-tying field goal. Whereas, if it's going to be even like a special teams duel, the Bengals and Raiders are both comparable in that way because Evan McPherson's been absolutely fantastic, and it, I it literally does come down to the fact that I think that the Raiders have had like this horribly weird season. All year, they made the playoffs, but I will say, like, they were they were rough down the last like eight games. I know that they beat the Colts in a big spot and they beat the Chargers in the biggest of spots, um, but they have been so inconsistent over the last like eight weeks, ever since the whole Gruden scenario came to a head. And it's almost like they're waiting for this season to come to an end so that they can just, like, get out of this absolute nightmare scenario where star players have been arrested, coaches have been, uh, like, fired, they've been a constant media circus all year. The Bengals have maintained a level of composure by simply not having any, like, ridiculous drama outside of, like, the preseason, which ended up being complete... It ended up being complete fluff. So, like, it's a no-brainer for me one team is coming in probably still incredibly distracted. The other one is coming in composed and they're the better team anyway. Um, I, um, I actually don't agree with some of that because I think, I think the Raiders have been through 
a lot as a team and adversity can certainly help you when you get into tough situations. Whereas the Bengals have come through in some clutch situations like that game against the Chiefs, for example. But, you know, have they been, have they really been punched in the mouth? You know, I don't know. And I think if the Raiders could put up, what was it? Was it 35 against the Chargers? Uh, yes, they did. If if you can put up 35 against the Chargers, I think you can put up, in theory, if you play as well as you did, I think you can put up 35 on the Bengals because I think we, at the start of the season, rated the Bengals' defence quite highly, but they've suffered quite a bit of drop-off. Is... Like, obviously, Trey Hendrickson's played really well. He's probably going to be like a second-team All-Pro, but can I, throw... I don't think... Uh, a special game-changing defense. Can I throw like a, a counterpoint exactly to what you've just said? Because I'm gonna li- I'm gonna list off a bunch of teams that came close to or did beat 35 points on the Chargers, and you tell me how many of these are good offenses: the Texans, the Chiefs. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the Bengals put up 22 against the Chargers. Uh, the Broncos put up 28. The Steelers put up 37. The Vikings 27. Uh, the Patriots 27, the Ravens 34, the Browns 42. The Chargers, pretty much after week five, have been giving up close to or over 35 points to even bad offences. Because of all these short fields, because they go for a 10 to 1. No, um, but no, but legitimately, they have also been abysmal defensively. Like I know that the Raiders oh, yeah. did put up thirty-five against the Chargers in Week Eighteen, but they also didn't put up. What? Hang on, let me just quickly verify this because yeah, well, one of the talking points up, that I remember like, they, is that the Raiders don't Brown. score a lot. They put up twenty-three against the Colts, seventeen against the Broncos, sixteen against the Browns, nine against the Chiefs, fifteen against the Football Team. All right, they put up thirty-six against the Cowboys, who. I think we're resting a bunch of players. They put up 13 against the Bengals when they already played each other in Vegas. Like, this team is an, is an atrocious offense ever since Henry Ruggs went out. Like, they, they can't put up uh, big points against anyone with even remotely a good defense, and the Bengals have got one. Can, the, I, can I talk about a player I, I really like for a moment? I think the Bengals and the... I think Sorry, Ed, one second. I think the Bengals and the Chargers' defenses at this point in the season are a bit like Pickham, because Hunter Renfro has massively stepped up into the fold since, you know, Ruggs went out. And, and I think they've really been playing without any serviceable version of Darren Waller, so he's going to be a key factor. I Like I said, I think the Bengals will win, but I think the Raiders could, could make it close, in theory. Go on, Ed. You know how I have my guys Yeah, that I like? You know how I really like free safeties? Uh, you're going to mention Jesse, Jesse Bates? Bates? No, I'm actually mentioning Trevon Morig this time. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I thought we were about to get another Jesse Bates banger in a big spot. No, no I, I do love Jesse Bates. I also love Logan Wilson on Cincy defense as well. But no, Trevon Morig, I, I looked at his stats the other day. You know, he's allowed 12 completions past five yards past the line of scrimmage and has allowed 90 yards in coverage all year. Which is crazy, yeah. Like, and I mean, they're not going to play like Steve Spagnuolo just repeatedly singling up coverage on Jamar Chase. They're going to have safety help. And obviously they've got Casey Hayward, but obviously he's more of a slot guy. So I think they've got... The Raiders' defense has got like, you know, a few pretty good players and is incredibly soft in other areas. So yeah. Linebacker, they are 
It is abysmal at line. It's been abysmal linebacker for as long as I can remember. Like it is where linebackers go to die. Because do you remember, like it was it Corey Littleton they had last year, and he yeah. was just completely yeah. flamed out. Thought that then, was perfect. Yeah, perfect. There was Kwiatkowski as well, who I really liked, and then went there and was just. They had what's his silent. name? He was on the 49ers, but uh, not Alden Smith. Um. Oh, who was it? Are you talking Arden Key? No, 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 no. Well, yeah, that's not the story, but they had a. I'm sure they had an inside linebacker who was on the 49ers, and he came over and he was dreadful. I think I think he had one play where it was like the it was like the 13th game of the year or like the 12th game of the year, and there was a deflected pass that just fell into his arms while he was lying in the end zone, and it was the Raiders' first pick of the year, if I recall correctly. Oh. <laughs> like it's always been a, a weak spot, and yeah, I think Cincinnati probably can. I mean, we talk about the aerial game a lot, but we've not even talked about like they can they can they're a team who can lean on Joe Mixon if push comes to shove, but you know, neither of these teams has been there before, like nineteen years, I think, for the Raiders and thirty one years for the Bengals since their last four playoff games and his Derek Carr's first playoff start, which I am ha- happy for him because he's played pretty well this year, but obviously not as well as Burrow and I think he's gonna. I hope he's gonna be entertaining. The way that be a bit of a quib, if not the way that I always as well like, especially for two teams that haven't been to the to the playoffs or won a playoff game in so long, should I say, is it almost takes like a little bit of a, a sort of just a bit more gusto out of a guy, and if you want like a guy with gusto and sort of finesse. In big spots, it's it's Burrow and Jamar Chase. Like those two have both combined to put up just a ridiculous amount of numbers in crucial games, um, because they they have a sort of uh, just they just have a certain aspect, an X factor, a, 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 an ability to take over a game mentally as well. Whereas I don't look at Derek Carr and think this is a guy that's gonna th- go out and grab the team by the scruff of the neck and drag them through yeah, hell. But, but you do look at Hunter Renfro like that. I don't know if right? I do. I, I look at Hunter Renfro <laughs> as being a great guy well, down the stretch, don't. but he's not the sort of guy that's going to have like the sort of... Uh, the the balls, man. The balls. Renfro, Renfro could give Cincinnati's best corner an absolute run around. Who's it? A woozie. Well, doesn't uh, hasn't Renfro been playing in the slot for quite a lot? So yeah, I'm sure Mike, that he's been Mike playing Hilton. Mike Hilton. He'll, I reckon Renfro could cook Mike Hilton. Yeah, like, like, like I like Renfro 12, as well. So 12, 12 receptions, one hundred and seven, and a touchdown for Hunter Renfro in this game. But the only problem is, <laughs> like, is do you trust Zay Jones to? No. Do you trust Deshaun Jackson? No. So there you go. So you've got Hunter Renfro. Darren Waller, who has been a little bit shaky, but they're going to be lining him up against Logan Wilson, as we've already covered. Probably doubling him up with Von Bell. So, like, what are we? What the Raiders are going to have two guys that they can lean on. They won't be able to run the ball because Hubbard and Hendrickson have been playing the run unbelievably well, pretty much all year. Like, what the Raiders are a terrible mismatch in this game. They 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 really are an awful mismatch. Yeah, but what they've done what they've done this year is play close games. Even it doesn't matter who they play, well, other than the Chiefs. <laughs> um 
they they play close games against good teams, and they play close games against really bad teams. And the they Bengals are a good team, so I don't know. Sometimes teams just get into these sort of games. It's like if this was a game against like the Vikings in Week Twelve, you put your money on it being a one-score game. Well, I mean, I'd put you my know? money on it being a one-score game because of the Vikings, but like this is a team that put up nine against the Bears and gave up twenty. They let me, let lost me... thirty-two to thirteen against the Bengals at home earlier in the year. Let let me put a cap on this, and then we can move on, right? Yeah. Just aren't we aren't we as fans incredibly lucky that this is Zach Taylor versus Rich Bisaccia and not Marvin Lewis versus versus John Green? Oh, a million percent. I am. I I know that Bisaccia has had to put up with a lot, and whether or not he ends up staying in Las Vegas after this season remains to be seen. And Zach Taylor, I still don't really value very highly as an actual coach, but. This is far more likable a duo than Gruden versus Marvin Lewis. I'm sorry. I don't know. I wouldn't say Marvin Lewis was particularly unlikable. What I would say is this game, if the Bengals are down 16 to 13 at half time, everyone in that stadium is going to break down into like tears, just like anxious tears, because they've, they've um, read that script before, and there is a sense that, you know. You know, some 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 franchises don't have it. We'll see. We'll see. I All right. Over under twenty five percent. Andy Dalton's in the building. Twenty five percent. I'd say over. I think he. I think he shows up just to root root for Cincy one final time. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say no, but who will certainly be there is a quarterback who's played for both teams. AJ McCarron will be there. <laughs> Under million percent. All right, uh, we now turn our attention to the next game, which is the Saturday night football game in Orchard Park: the Buffalo Bills versus the New England Patriots. For oh no, Uh-oh. he's gone. He's, he's gone. gone. Oh, give us the goofiest music spike you can to signify that we can come back in, or the goofiest. Yeah, hang on, I will do. Um... You like that? You like that? We. <laughs> We now turn our attention to the Saturday night game in Orchard Park as the 11-6 and Buffalo Bills take on the 10-7 and New England Patriots in Pat's Bills 3. And all three of these games are promising to be freezing cold, pretty ugly, bizarre games, but not this time maybe because oh, will the Patriots... Have enough to outcoach Sean McDermott a third time. Oh. A third um, time. Third time. The the bit they split the series, I think, didn't they? In the regular yeah. season, maybe they did. This is on me. Yeah. Well, comes the first game. game. The Sorry. first game was the the was on the Patriots one where Mac Jones did it three times with medium levels of success. Oh, you're right. Yeah, my bad, my bad. I forgot what we played on Boxing Day. This is my fault. Let's just move on. All right. This uh, is what happens when you don't steal your takes directly from around the NFL. The, yeah, I mean, this is this is exactly what happens when I'm intru- when I'm entrusting my brain. It got slightly frazzled, like my computer did. Just get off my case. All right. Um, just quickly, who has everyone got taking this one? Because I, I must admit, I've got New England. Mm, I've got Buffalo. I've got Buffalo as well, just. Okay. 
Um, I I thought long and hard about picking New England. This is, I mean, clearly this is the most likable New England team in some time. But yeah, I think I think this this game will be an entertaining game. Like that's the thing that I'm excited. This is one of the games I've like circled on the weekend to sort of. What are you are you thinking? This game won't be exciting. It depends. It really depends on, you know, what your definition of an of an exciting game is. You, so, the, I think what was, really what's what's more important than the temperature is like precipitation in these weather games. It's going to be minus with windchill. It's going to be minus nineteen degrees Celsius allegedly. Um, All right. So, so if my criteria for a really good game is just a line play. This will be right okay. at the top. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess so. Um, I, I have to admit, my criteria were different from that. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be minus minus nineteen or so, um, but it's not going to be rainy. It's not going to be hailing. As, remember, there was like sideways snow during that first game. I don't think mm. it's going to be like that. And I think the Bills will be very grateful for that because if it came down to a game where it wasn't passing the ball wasn't particularly successful then new england to me would certainly have the advantage in terms of a superior run game because i mean they in the second half of the year their run games really come on leaps and bounds with well, i think ramondre stevenson's taken over as the lead back when he's been healthy with damian harrison a bit more of a complimentary role to him um and it's been very effective but i don't think there's any chance that if it comes down to like a duel that Mac Jones is going to beat Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen is just—he—he he just makes plays. Do you know what I mean? Like on the ground, through the air, he makes mistakes, but he'll come down on the next drive and just like torture a defense, run for like twenty-five yards, throw it for twenty yards, and you know he can—he can carry a team by himself. Mac Jones is just a cog, a cog in the diabolical machine of Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. I hear what you're saying. But- but I do think that this game will come down to the running game. Those cold temperatures, trying to throw the ball, especially in a windy environment, which I think I've seen that it might again be windy, just like that ugly, ugly first game. If you're telling me this game is going to be another one where we're going to have 40 runs, 20 aside, I am 1 million percent taking... Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, and that New England run scheme versus uh, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Josh Allen as like a trio of not suitable running backs. I just, you know, I just can't. Run I, a game. That seems like a pretty normal number. Well, uh, maybe we'll bump it up to like sixty runs and thirty a piece a game. Like, shush. My point is. You know what I, <laughs> Do you know what I think is really important about what's going to be really important in this game? Go on. I'll say this. How well the Bills rotate their defensive ends. Because they've got Epineza, they've got Rousseau, they've got F.A. Obada, they've got Mario Addison, right? They can, If they can put consistent pressure on the Patriots' O-line every snap by rotating these guys in and out, keeping them fresh, that's going to be... If, if it turns into a game where they are rushing 30 or 40 times... You know, keeping fresh bodies on the line down the end of the game is going to be what separates these teams. I think mm. I, the Bills are more talented, but you know, like 
they're really, I would say in almost every position, have more talented players. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to win, but to me it certainly means they're going to be favoured. Like, that's, 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 like, circumstance obviously does play a part, but to me, I'm, when it comes to the playoffs, I'm, unless something extraordinary happens, I'm just going to pick the team that I think is the most talented, and outside of the running backs, um, I would say, I would take the Bills in most positions. See, one critical, one critical position where I wouldn't know, centre, David Andrews versus Mitch Morse, who's been graded as the worst pass blocking and run blocking center in the NFL this year. Which I think is crazy because, like, who's done this grade and have they watched Kendrick Green? Because, <laughs> <laughs> come on, man. Kendrick Green falls over at least 25% of his snaps. Like, but that's hear, pretty bad. I do hear what you say. No, it, it is. But anyway, um, the other thing and that like, I would he, a million times. Christian Barmore as well, wasn't he? What? Yeah. Are they going to have Mitch Morse matched up against... I think Christian Barmore is fit to play in this game. And he's a very important piece for them. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> have we stumbled accidentally into a decent football take here? No. I refuse. <laughs> a decent football take that we didn't hear elsewhere now. Um, no, but for real, I think the other thing that... Where Max would usually take talent in these close, kind of tricky to decide games, the the thing that I'd always take over anything is coaching. And if you want to look at a guy that has won more playoff games than anyone, it's 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 the evil emperor himself, Emperor Belichick. And I just I can't look away from him. When he's had the whole AFC East number, even on down years, when he had like Cam Newton or Matt Castle or whatever, he still owns the AFC East apart from when he's in Miami. Like, it doesn't matter how good or bad any of these teams are, because Bill Belichick <laughs> will outcoach all of them. Are you implying that Miami is the Kashyyyk of the NFL? I am, yeah. Miami is the Kashyyyk of the NFL. And. No matter which coach they have in there, Bill you can't, can't go win in a ground war in <laughs> Yeah, but they can win everywhere else. And what has Bill Belichick done more in his career? And I know that this sounds like a bit of a lazy take, but like coaches can win games with no matter what roster they have. I mean, Brian Flores and David Culley both had many wins this year with bad rosters. What are we saying here? Bill Belichick is probably the best coach in NFL history. Maybe bar like one or two guys, but nobody has been more successful than Bill Belichick. And that's just a straight fact. And I think he has been in this position way more than Sean McDermott. He faces off against Sean McDermott more times. And he's also the guy that will create chaos if needs be. I I trust Bill Belichick more. Bit of a weird point on Belichick. Just I, hi, so many times I've seen the Patriots draw level with teams by score. You know, like late in games, I've seen them like properly draw level. Yeah, but I don't think I've ever seen another team draw level on points with the Patriots near the end of a game. No, I, they either get more or less, but they no one ever draws on terms that aren't the Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots are good at coming from behind and they're good at keeping themselves ahead because Bill Belichick is a, one of the ultimate game managers. He knows when to yeah, put his neck they... out on the line in big spots. 
Who he is? They literally played three weeks ago and Buffalo won comfortably. That, you know... And they literally I mean, played six exactly... weeks ago and Buffalo lost horribly. Yeah, but it's also not going to be uh, the middle of a blizzard as far as I'm aware. The adventures of hindsight, man. <laughs> it depends It depends purely on how Josh Allen plays. If Josh Allen plays well, then I think the Bills will probably win at a canter. But if... And you're right... It, Belichick can throw, you know, a few curveballs, and if he can rustle Josh Allen's jimmies, then you're looking at, you know, uh, an entirely blank canvas, which is going to be splattered with the paint of football carnage. Max, just quickly remind me, what did you say about Josh Allen at the beginning of the year, and have maintained throughout the season? Said he wasn't going to be as good as he was last year. Okay. And did you, by any chance, think that there would be a, a, a penchant for him getting his jimmies rustled, like we saw in week one or week 12? Yeah, I said if he gets his jimmies rustled. Many times throughout jimmies, the season. I said if he gets his jimmies rustled, then we know that the season before that he'd been uh, a little bit scattered shot, to say the least. But if if he doesn't get his jimmies rustled, we'll, we'll have to see. All I'm saying. It does. I think it does. It does hinge on him as much as any one game hinges on the performance of one player. This game hinges on his performance. Okay, you know, not on Starlo Tulele. Well, I obviously love and respect Starlo Tulele, but uh, unless he scores a touchdown in this game, now maybe this is the game where we get those promised FA Obada touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Bucket listeners. <laughs> All right, let's um, let's turn our attention now to the NFC because the Sunday early window has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Philadelphia Eagles in oh big upset watch potential because I know that the Eagles haven't won a game against anyone that at the time they beat them had a winning record, but the Buccaneers don't have really any of their star players coming back for this one. Chris Godwin <laughs> out. Leonard Fournette out. Which Is means, he out? Apparently so. I've not seen any injury update to suggest that he's even remotely in... Uh, I think he practiced this week. He did practice this week. Just having a look at the Buccaneers thing. Uh, Mike Evans was upgraded to full. And they... Uh, That's the thing. I'd ra- I'd rather have Mike Evans and a bunch of practice squad scrubs than Jalen Rager. Yeah, but they've got Devontae Smith and a bunch of practice squad scrubs. <laughs> and sometimes... JJ or on IR. We All should right. we should point that. Yeah, okay. So the whole Buccaneers injury report for this game is Shaq Barrett was limited, Jamel Dean was limited, Mike Evans was limited, Cyril Grayson did not participate, Ryan Jensen did uh, was limited. Ronald Jones didn't participate. Sean, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting was limited. Anthony Nelson did not participate. Brashad Bree, uh, Perriman, limited. Jason Pierre-Paul, limited. Bradley Pinion, full. Rashad Robinson, limited. Keyshawn Vaughn, full. Justin Watson, limited. Oh, but, Who's Rashad Robinson? <laughs> uh, a cornerback, so they are missing... Oh, and, and uh, Richard Sherman went on IR as well, so... Yeah, uh, and don't forget as well that Godwin and Fournette didn't practice at all. Didn't even I come back Fournette... onto the uh, practice report. I was on IR. I think Fournette was on IR, so he might not show up on the practice report, but 
I don't know if he's going to go, but yeah, I mean, whether the Bucks can miss as many cornerbacks as they like, I don't think that's where they're going to necessarily be most vulnerable to this Eagles team. I think it is going to be in the trenches. Um, and yeah, I quite agree that, that, you know, they're missing all these guys, but sometimes all you need to win a playoff game is Tommy and Robbie. Just two best friends out on the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, might, it may well come down to that. I mean, of all of the games this week, this is the one I'm looking forward to least. And it's not just because I'm generally anti-Eagles, but like, <laughs> I think the Eagles are certainly at this point the most talent-poor team left in the playoffs. And I just think that I just think that even a depleted Tampa is going to have too much for them. Are they the most talented? Hmm. Maybe. Maybe if, the if Raiders. You t- if you take our line out of it, it's a certainty. Yeah, but the O line is a factor. Yeah, yeah, and uh, no, Jordan I mean, Mylott has been a great, great tackle this year. Jordan Mylott has been great. I mean, Jason Kelsey's still incredible. But like, if yeah, outside outside of the fact that they can pass and run block very well, there's nothing exciting about the Seagulls team. I do agree with Tom. This one is on upset watch. I think there's a chance that the Eagles can keep it close just by, you know, I think they can get some joy with Miles Sanders, with Jalen Hurts running, and just reducing the amount of possessions that the Bucks have. And if this game was close, like 23-21 in the fourth quarter, I wouldn't be shocked. But I also wouldn't be shocked if it ended 43-7. to <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Vita Vea. That's what I would say. Again, <laughs> is he playing in this game, or is I think so? Playing, isn't he? Is he? Uh, I know that. I know that there was there was there was fears about him playing. I'm not actually sure if he went on to be on to IR. I think I might have dreamt that. Perhaps. A horrible nightmare. The other thing, yeah, well, as well, though, the other thing though about the Buccaneers is like. I know that people aren't going to say that it's a factor, but like, and Max said, oh, in the face of adversity, teams can get stronger. But like, the Antonio Brown scenario from two weeks is still not gone away. Is that not a bit of a distraction for a team that, I mean, scraped, scraped against the Jets, lost in a game where they were shut out against the Saints, who would put up nine points? Like, the Buccaneers down the stretch outside of playing the Panthers like I don't I don't think that they've played comfortably at all yeah they're a world apart from the way that they came into the playoffs last year like I last just... year they came in on fire but even last year like they faced a bad Washington team with a guy that hadn't taken an NFL snap yet and almost went out if it wasn't for some Brady heroics funnily enough uh, with the guys that they have out or p- at least potentially out not even not even remotely injured so like this is a considerably worse books team with more distraction and less run of form and they're going to be coming up against an eagles team that basically got a bye last week because they rested a bunch of players and will also like i say have absolutely nothing to lose might i add like, this is a team that is being written off and has been written off all season. If you come into a game with absolutely nothing to lose versus the defending Super Bowl champions, 
what's not to say that you don't just throw the playbook out the window and go absolutely balls to the wall? There is no chance that the Eagles balls come in to and the play. Sirianni. Yeah, it could happen. Was, I was literally about to say this is Sirianni. And Sirianni got another a talentless roster, as you've rightly pointed out, to nine and eight and into the playoffs. Like you're talking about Nick Sirianni, and we've all sort of joked about him, but like clearly he's worked for the Eagles. This is this is the this is the this is the first year in what is basically being considered in Philly a bit of a rebuild with a brand new GM and a brand new head coach, and they've gotten to the playoffs without really any fucking expectation to do so. Harry Roseman's still there. The Roseman is still there. I think. No, sorry, I, my bad. But even I don't still, think, are, you, are you picking yeah. the Eagles? For, are you picking the Eagles for this game? Tom? Yeah, I'm picking the Eagles. I think there's a massive chance for an upset here from a team that has absolutely nothing to lose versus a team that is thoroughly distracted by everything going on and playing yeah, like crap. Playing like crap as well, might I add? I don't think the Antonio Brown thing is a distraction because I don't think. Uh, I don't think Antonio Brown is necessarily missed by many of the people uh, in the places that he used to be in, other than maybe the guy who wears number 12. You know, losing Chris Godwin is much more of a factor to me. And, you know, even losing Cyril Grayson to an extent is, is a factor. But, but this is the thing, yeah, think, like... If anything, if anything, like, Antonio Brown getting fired is like a weight lifted from this team... Like, but the only other thing as well is that I know that Antonio Brown leaving, you're saying, might not be a distraction even still, but like, if you suddenly have a game plan three or four weeks ago, which is, we're going to go into the playoffs and we've got Chris Godwin, we've got Antonio Brown, we've got Rob Gronkowski back, Mike Evans is still healthy and Leonard Fournette, and all of a sudden you're looking at this team and you've got Mike Evans who might not even play because he was limited and uh, granted he no, got upgraded to full, so chances, so chances he will end up playing... And Rob Gronkowski, who I might add, runs at about the speed of a Zamboni on fucking ice skates. But, they don't need him to uh, run, they just need him to be big. But this is but the point is is that if you're game planning a, a potential playoff thing, because bear in mind the Buccaneers have known that they were probably going to be in the playoffs for weeks now, and have had a soft-as-fuck schedule coming into it, and you're basically game-planning, oh, who are we going to be playing in the playoffs? Like, game-planning an offense that might work. And all of a sudden, all of those pieces are now gone for whatever reason, be it that they quit on the team halfway through or are injured for the rest of the season or are very unlikely to play and so you can't game-plan that. That's a distraction. That is a genuine factor. I think, honestly, I think that everything you've said... I give perfect credence to, and yeah, I also think that I also think that they might lose by ten. I also think that the Eagles might lose by ten plus. They could, but you know, I'm picking the yeah, Eagles. I think, I think that this is the I'm most just, upset no, one game. Any playoff team, like with Tom Brady, has historically been a little bit of a death star, and it's kind of hard to imagine me. You know, it's kind of hard for me to imagine, like, a Jalen Hurts. You know, I like Jalen Hurts. I've talked about Jalen Hurts positively because he's a fun player to watch. But, like, when the when the chips are down, when he's under the cosh, do I think he's going to step up and, and win in old Ray J State? Um, probably not, but, you know, maybe. The, 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 the Eagles, um, if the Eagles go down by more than two scores at any point, I think they I think they're cooked, but we'll see what happens. 
we'll have to wait and see. All right, let's move on to the next game because we've we've still got three more left to preview here. Holy moly! Um, we turn our attention now to the second window on Sunday. The Cowboys hosting the 49ers. and oh, another one Ed, which apparently extremely bored by this concept. <laughs> yeah, I I produce an absolutely stonking yawn then. Um, <laughs> I'm not your. I'm not bored by this. Con- I'm not bored by this concept. This game is like. I think this game will be like a very interesting game. Like I think. Who are, you, who, are you, who are you all picking? I'm picking the Niners in this one. I was gonna pick the Niners as well. Uh, Max. Um, it's a toss up. Uh. Give me a, give me a couple of minutes and I'll think about it. Right. Let me let me hear out these arguments and I'll decide. Okay, um, Ed, do you want to take the floor first because I'd sort of fought the corner for the Eagles for a while. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that I, honestly, I think that in this game it's going to come down to tight ends, and I think that I I don't know of, I don't know of a single player on the Cowboys that can actually cover George Kill, and I think that if this turns into a Kittle game. That's that. Um, How many kill games? We've had two kill games this year, right? Yeah, but they're you know what's the expression? Good things come in threes. I think we I think we're we're due another kill game. I think that that wasn't. Uh, I have to be honest. The good things come in threes argument wasn't the most persuasive for me. No, no. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that Nick Bursa will get a lot of joy against Lyle Collins. I think that's one thing, and um, obviously the reverse is true with Michael Parsons and Marcus Lawrence. But I, I see this game being a high scorer. Is I think what it is. I and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Whether it'll be a, whether it'll be a high quality game, I don't know. But it will be a high scoring game. Sure, I think there'll be at least two defensive touchdowns in this game. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And what what are your thoughts, Tom? Um, the Cowboys sort of don't strike me as a team that look like they've got it all figured out yet. Um, They started the season incredibly hot, but they almost sort of struggled to really get going. Um, I know that they put up 52 on the Eagles, but that was one, the Eagles backups, and two, they scored, what, 21 in the fourth quarter? I don't, like... Their two best games down the stretch have been against Washington, who are bad. They're just objectively bad. And Micah Parsons has absolutely torn them a new one. Um, but at the same time, like I agree with Ed. I don't think that there's anyone on the Cowboys that could cover Kittle. Like I don't think that Keanu Neal as that hybrid is going to be enough to cover Kittle. Um, I don't think that Parsons will be dropping into coverage specifically to cover Kittle. And I also Debo Samuel. That's not his forte at all. <laughs> and Debo Samuel, I think, is probably the biggest like X factor coming into this game in particular. Like, he is a rushing and receiving threat. He's most likely going to be matched up against Trayvon Diggs because they insist that ten interceptions means that he won't get burned for twelve hundred yards on the season. So Debo Samuel is going to be up against. Trayvon Diggs. They're going to have their safeties spying Kittle most of the game. I just, 
I don't see the Cowboys being able to stop them defensively, even if Jimmy Garoppolo stinks. Um, and then also, oh, like, they the Cowboys can, the can stop them if Jimmy G stinks. I don't think that they can. I think that they'll get the, they'll get a few very good crucial turnovers. I think that there will be defensive Jimmy touchdowns, G, but man, I think Jimmy G is the biggest obstacle between the 49ers and winning this game. Like the Cowboys have scored more than thirty five points seven times this season, if you can believe that. But like you say, like a lot of those have been against fairly awful teams. To me, the question is like, where are we at on the 49ers defense? Because on the secondary side, they are very light. Like they've been recycling through guys this season like crazy. I mean, and we know the Cowboys have got the wide receiver talent to take advantage of that. And and you talk about George Kittle, but I also think like I think Dalton Schultz is probably one of the more underrated tight ends in the league right now. Um, they're getting Blake Jarwin back, who's a I'm pretty sure is just a clone of Dalton Schultz, given a random name. Um, and their third guy there as well, I think, is more or less the same. They're all the same to me. But I do think that this is the most likely game this year, this week to end in an upset, like with the road team winning. Just because the Cowboys have... Yeah, I feel like they've flattered to deceive a little bit. And just Mike McCarthy going up against... You know, Carl Shanahan. I don't have great vibes about that for the Cowboys. I think I probably would also lean towards taking the 49ers, but in my heart, I don't want to see the 49ers in the playoffs. I'd be much happier to see the Cowboys show up at Lambo for some reason. But the 49ers have just got the play like they've got the players who can, um, who can just take a game into their hands, like Kittle, like Debo. Um, this game could very well end like 38 to 35. Like, I can very much see that happening. But if the Cowboys are going to win, they're going to need Dak Prescott to play like he did before he got hurt because he's been a bit more cautious since then. And, mm. yeah, it would it would have to devolve into just, like, a total throw fest because I just don't think Zeke Kelly is much of a guy. <laughs> like, he's, he's just not got the burst anymore, does he? Like, you can run him down by the goal line as much as you want and, and find some joy of that, but, like... He's not tearing people up for in the open field for long runs, is he? Like, what, what's happened to Tony Pollard? Because if you want a guy that's got the explosion, Tony Pollard seems to be that guy. But it, he just he's just dropped since pretty much ever since that really, got hurt. The entire offense has just regressed. I've never really rated Tony Pollard. Like I don't think he's he was, Antonio uh, Gibson he, to me. Like he, he, he couldn't be a running back one. He definitely couldn't be a running back one to me. No. It's funny, we're saying that the the offense has regressed, and yeah, I guess they have scored 56 and 51 in the last three games, but the Eagles won, you know, the, you can put some stock into that, you know, like, it's, it's a mojo moment for them, <laughs> if nothing <laughs> else, it's a mojo moment, and maybe they can ride that, if they play to the extent, then I would probably back the Cowboys to win, but they have just seemed to be stuck in the mud, so... Yeah, I'll probably join you on 49ers corner for this one. Okay. Let's um let's move on to the primetime games then. We start on Sunday night as the Kansas City Chiefs missed out on the one seed in week eighteen, but they get the Pittsburgh Steelers at nine seven and one, joining them at Arrowhead. 
these two sides met up three weeks ago and the Chiefs racked up 36 points on the Steelers who only got a touchdown late in the fourth quarter basically is like a feel good um, this game I think that with how everyone's reacted to how this game is matching up I think that there will be a surprise involved being that I think that it'll actually be closer than everyone seems to insist. I saw one take that was um, someone called like Max Wright or something on, on one of these many, many talking show heads. He said that this was better than having a bye playing the Steelers defense that has like Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick on it. Like, I appreciate the the Chiefs will probably end up winning this game and it will end up being quite comfortable, maybe. But to say that this is better than getting a bye when the Steelers lead the league in sacks feels a little bit like a silly suggestion. And for a team that I'm going to quickly point out, like the Eagles have absolutely no expectations... They Ben Roethlisberger himself actually in a press conference which has got sort of NFL chuckling a little bit including myself um, said we're coming in as 20 point underdogs and we're not expected to get any further so let's just go out and have some fun I could genuinely see this game surprising people in the sense that it will be it'll be way closer than anyone's expecting still think the Chiefs will win but don't write off like Pat Frymuth and Najee Harris having big days. And also a big piece of news for the Steelers is that Juju Smith-Schuster, who was put on IR after the Denver Broncos game uh, with a dislocated shoulder and like a torn rotator cuff, is back in practice and is actually trending to play on Sunday, which could be a huge one because out of the slot, we've been targeting G- uh, Ray Ray McLeod, including for the vast majority of the game against the Chiefs. All of a sudden, you get a, a guy that's a little bit more reliable in Juju Smith-Schuster back. There's there's potential here to be sneaky, sneaky covering the spread. Is all I'm saying. What's what's the free agent free agent situation like for for Pittsburgh? What's what? the freaking free agent? Situation? What's the free, what's the free what's the freezing free agent? Uh, what do you mean? Is in like who's leaving? Yeah, like. What what proportion of that first team do you reckon is going to be there next year? Like so, obviously, I don't. I'm not. I'm not counting chickens and saying they've already lost this game. But it just if in the event that they do lose this game, you know, is this the last time we'll see a good number of those Steelers players together? No, because most of them are either they've either just been paid or they are on their well on their rookie deal still. So Tremaine, uh, Terrell Edmonds is out. Uh, at the end of this year, I think. Well, we will be sad to see the back of Joe Hayden if, if he leaves. Yeah, Joe Hayden is is the big one. Juju Smith-Schuster is in his final year because he only signed a one-year deal for like $8 million. But with the masses amount of cap room that the Steelers will actually get after Ben Roethlisberger is out, um, and with the expanded cap, there is a potential that they make a run on trying to re-sign him. Um, other than that, literally, like... I don't think that there is anyone like major. They re-signed TJ Watt, and that was like the big one that they needed to get done. Um, but like even right. even guys that have missed the entire year, like Tyson Alawalu and and Stefan Tuit, they still have a year left on their deal after this year. So like, there isn't. What about Eric Ebron? I mean, Eric Ebron will probably end up getting like cut, to be honest, because 
Pat Frymuth is definitively tight end he, one. He's he still on the Stevens. Yeah, he's yes. been injured for like four weeks, but also with how well Zach Gentry has stepped up in that tight end two role, and with how well Pat mm. Frymuth has stepped up as sneaky, sneaky like great pick for the second round. I mean, the Steelers, the Steelers draft class got killed in the last offseason, but evaluating it now, Najee and Pat Frymuth, that's a steal. I I adore can, the Frymuth pick. Can I absolutely we, love that pick. Can we potentially loop back around this in the offseason? Because what I really want to talk about, what I really want to talk about is... This game? The Steelers... Well, yeah, <laughs> kind of a little bit. Yeah. What, what I want, what I want to talk about is the, the Steelers' offensive line and the matchups that they have against Chris Jones, who has traditionally played his best um, football around this time of year. And in fact, the, the same can be said of Frank Clark, who has pretty much had, I think, his sack rate during the postseason is like eight in six games, and during the regular season, it's like twenty in three full seasons. So. They do tend to step up. I mean, I think even the coaches and the play calling for the the Chiefs does has hit an, an, another gear in the postseason last couple of years. And to me, I think if Chris Jones is on his game, he could pro- probably bulldoze the interior of the Steelers' offensive of this Steelers' offensive line. And you know, their their best chance in this game is getting Najee Harris going. You know, um, just sort of trying to pound the Chiefs to dust because. Spags is gonna, we you know what Spags plays like pretty aggressive man coverage with his corners, right? And if there's no threat of being consistently beaten with a deep ball like they were against Cincinnati, then it's gonna be quite easy to make the Steelers one dimensional. I'm I'm happy to have that take be the take of the game. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like it, it is literally the 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 Chiefs. How heavy do they blitz? Do they stick to the same game plan? Did they change it up slightly? Um, to me, the, the the Steelers' best chance of winning this game is turnovers, which isn't really something you can rely on. Like, as a, you can't you can't game plan like, oh, we'll just win the turnover battle, <laughs> you know. Um, but if they can win the turnover battle by you know plus two, then and if they can get Najee Harris going, then that would be their path. But like. Yeah, we saw that they didn't match up very favorably in the first game, and it's going to be, you know, Arrowhead in the playoffs is a pretty significant home advantage. So it's certainly, I don't think anyone would argue that it's going to be anything but an uphill slog for the Steelers in this one. Oh, God, no. Um, One piece of news, I've not seen anything come out after that Denver game about Tyreek Hill other than that he's likely to play. He fully practiced on... Uh, Wednesday, but then was limited on Thursday. But that still sounds like you'll go. Yeah, um, it's the the problem. Really, is not whether or not he will go, though, or whether or not he will go healthy. Because Tyreek Hill's main asset isn't his hands or his route running; it's his speed. <laughs> and it's his cheeky grin. <laughs> um, and without that money maker ability to turn on the Jets. Even even to eighty percent, he like is it is it out of the question to say that he struggles? Like obviously they'll get Kelsey involved, they'll get Miko Hardman involved, but you get Tyreek Hill limited. He had two catches for nineteen yards in the first game. 
yeah. I mean, yeah, well, sometimes, I mean, it's a well-known factor that if the Chiefs aren't passing to Tyreek Hill, they're using the threat of Tyreek Hill to pass to people open underneath. Like, and they do the same thing with Hardman when Hill isn't there. So, I don't know. Like, I think I think that if there's one thing Steelers fans can cling to, it's that Tyreek Hill isn't healthy. But I'm not sure how. If... If I'm being completely honest, the one thing that Steelers fans are actually clinging on to is that uh, no matter what happens, we get one more game of Ben Roethlisberger, and that's... You know, I mean, the two games that led to this point are the real victories for us. Like, we're going to get our shit stomped by the Chiefs. There's nothing really to say about it, other than that maybe, like, if the game ends up going a little bit more in our favour than it did the first one, then it'll at least be close. That's pretty much it. Nobody in Steeler Nation is actually saying anything along the lines of, oh, we're definitely going to win. If anyone's saying we're going to the Super Bowl, you can 1 million percent say that that is a joke. Because it is. And everyone that has said it is saying it ironically as a joke because this team is bad. We're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's the um... that's the running joke we're bullshitting our way through a bunch of games we made it to the playoffs and the Steelers are going to the Super Bowl but no we're not (laughs) this game this game should be open and shut really but I get one final chance to talk about Ben Roethlisberger Pittsburgh Steelers game and that's all I could have hoped for let's move on Uh, to Monday Night Football which is the 12-5 LA Rams at SoFi Stadium, the host of the Super Bowl this year, facing off against the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, in the weird sort of, like, rock, paper, scissors that is the NFC West, what's what's the scenario? Does McVeigh own Kingsbury, or is Kingsbury owning McVeigh, or what? Um, I will have to check that for you, because I know that the Hawks own the Cardinals and the 49ers own the Rams. Let me see what the history of the Cardinals and the Rams are because, yeah, I do think you guys. I, I mean, I just said that I back the talented team, but that doesn't apply for NFC West games. I back the team who wins. Um, so the last, <laughs> it's there's something like eight games in a row, isn't it? That, no, um... it's um, the Rams have won. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They won nine of the last ten. Oh. Alright, I'm going Rams every single day of the week then. Although I will say that obviously the Cardinals, their one win was early this year and it was at SoFi. Um, but I think it was it was before they lost that game to the Packers and Kyler Murray got hurt. And I don't see any reason that why. It didn't change. <laughs> I don't see, like the Cardinals, I don't see any reason why they would win this game. They're they're um, they're plummeting. They are plummeting, and and um, it's like Cliff Kingsbury's the captain of the fucking Titanic at this point. Do you know what I mean? Like every every year, you, week one, you set off from Southampton. You know, first eight weeks things are going great. You're enjoying the sights and sounds of the Atlantic Ocean, and then bam, the iceberg that is playing the. <laughs> <laughs> the iceberg that is playing the Rams, what, and then the, the Seahawks slash Lusitania just goes past. <laughs> yeah. um, one thing about this game is that the 
Cardinals may be a sinking ship, but they will be getting a huge boost, maybe even to plug a few holes, in the form that JJ Watt might genuinely be back. Run stuffing has been an issue for the Cardinals, and they're going to get a guy that, while maybe on the athletic downswing of his career and can't stay healthy, when you get JJ Watt playing in any game, there's still an opportunity to, for him to cause a little bit of carnage, a little bit of chaos. Yes. I, I don't know. Don't you think? Can't you imagine that JJ Watt is just like he's been working his absolute ass off to try and get back, but he's just going to come back and not. He's going to like Russell Wilson when he came back and got shot against the Packers. Like, oh, this was too soon. <laughs> uh, that, that's a fear. Like, that's a fear that I have. I think they'd do well to have him in on running downs only. Like he doesn't. He doesn't need any. He doesn't need to rush the passer in this game. But I'd say that they just get away with that. JJ Watt's basically injuries have reduced JJ Watt to Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> <laughs> How yeah. ironic! Without without the temperament issues, yeah. Do you know? I think it's weird that like this game features some of the best, just like single like one on one matchups in the NFL. Like this this week, we're going to have Rodney Hudson versus Aaron Donald. Um, is D Hop playing in this game? Well, this is also something that I was just quickly having a look for, but I've not seen anything about it. Um, no, he's not going to play. No. Um, the, oh, wow, the Cardinals actually, like, their Thursday like uh, injury report looks a little banged up. You know, they've got James Conner, yeah. did not practice, Zach Ertz, Chase Rodney Edmonds. Hudson, Chase Edmonds was limited, Rondell Moore was limited. Kelvin Hudson, Hudson's not playing. Hudson, you mean Hudson did not practice, but he gets rested every uh, everything as like a veteran thing. I was he about should... to say if they're starting a backup center against Aaron Donald, you can call it now. Yeah, um, I'm this is still... the way he's going to end down the stretch. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, but it looks like he probably will end up playing. But even still, like uh, one thing about the Rams that is maybe worth tracking is that their secondary is incredibly banged up. Um, they have Taylor Rapp in the concussion protocol, and Jalen Ramsey went to town on him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was about to make the exact same joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they they are sneaky banged up. They've just signed Eric Weddle. Um, yeah, that's hilarious. Which is yeah, brilliant. It's 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 something. All right, it certainly is something. But I, this one, I think, will he probably end up being the before he retired. <laughs> what? He was fully cooked before he retired. Yeah, and now he's coming back after multiple months out of the game. It's not. He won't be playing like a. He'll be playing more of a strong than a full free safety role, though. Surely, if it's a free yeah, well, safety. You might as well start. You might as well start Michelangelo's David at strong suit. And force <laughs> every single. Do you know what I mean? It's just that's But <laughs> they just have to fit him for a kit, I suppose. I don't think they could. But um, no, honestly, this game, I think the Rams should win quite easily. But you know, NFC West sometimes weird things do happen, like. Could the Cardinals win this game? Just purely because, I don't know, Matt Stafford continues to be quite turnover happy. Kyler Murray makes some ridiculous plays. Antoine Wesley scores three touchdowns. <laughs> okay, maybe not. But, you know, if if Matt Stafford plays 
his worst game that he's played the last few weeks. And if Kyler Murray plays the best game that he's played the best few weeks, that's going to be a bit of a leveler. Like, the supporting cast for the Rams right now is definitely better. They're going to need something out of Odell Beckham if they want to be serious playoff contenders here. Um, like, I still wouldn't back them if they had to come up to Green Bay, for example. Um, but in this game, Matt Ed, Cohen, have you noticed just quickly, every single one of these NFC games, uh, Max has mentioned, I wouldn't want them to come to Green Bay or I would be happy with them coming to Lambeau or something along these lines. Like... The Packers have a bye. You don't have to think about them this week, Max. Um, sorry, it's kind of the privilege you have when your team's the best in the conference. <laughs> you get to be like, oh, best in this that. conference. The yeah. Eagles made it. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing the Eagles. To be fair, I don't want to see. I don't want to see the Bucks back. But the Rams and Cardinals game, which we're currently previewing for this one. Yeah. So, Tom, um, if you want to, you can look at, like, Bills New England and be like, oh, I wouldn't mind going up to Buffalo in the next round. <laughs> well, I mean, no, because I don't... I'm I'm not about that life, Max. You, <laughs> you, learn, you learn tricks of the trade when you when you come on here for multiple years. You get that? You get that trait beaten out of you. No, I refuse. <laughs> but usually by fans of teams that don't make the playoffs, like Ed. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) Um, all right. Uh, Did we actually say who we think is going to win this one? I've said the Rams, but yeah, I say the Rams. I've got the Rams as well. Yeah. Okay, so we've all gone clean sweep on the Rams. Uh, We will be back on Tuesday. Um, In fact, actually, there is one more thing uh, before we leave. Like I've done every single fucking week, cut away from the outro to do another piece of news or something. Uh, David Culley is out in Texas. Um, and not just David Culley, but Sean Kelly, the OC as well. Yeah. Uh, we did like a little section in one of the previ- uh, well, preseason episodes called How Many Tom Sulas Is That? And uh, we had two Tom Sulas in one year. So good job, everyone. We did it. We had Urban Meyer early on in the season. And now we got David Culley, one and done in Houston. And similar to the Brian Flores situation, um, what the fuck? Like, this this was an abysmal roster. This was nowhere near as unexpected as the Flores one. It's not as, it's not unexpected because, like, they pretty much hinted at it all the way, but that was sort of on the assumption that David Culley would also be as bad as the rest of the team. And what he actually got is the Texans mm. playing good football by the last, like, six weeks. Well, um, they played... They played winning football. They played good yeah, football no. against the Chargers and Titans. Come on, they didn't look like... They didn't look like they were badly coached. You know, like the... like. Would you say the Lions played good football? Maybe in spots, but you wouldn't say, you know. But they, they didn't give up on the season. Whereas some teams, like the Jags, for example, until I suppose until the Colts game, but um, they pretty clearly given up a point. So, to me, um, the Giants definitely gave up. Um, yeah. To me, I don't think it would have been unexpected because I think when they took the job, when Cully took the job, I mean, I think he probably would have been aware that there was a good chance that this would happen. Like it, it, it's still like pretty shitty practice. Like I, I don't. I think Cully will be 
you know, he, he he was set up to be the fall guy. I think I said that much in the Tom Sue episode, but yeah, I think I think they must have a guy in mind that they want because like when you treat your manager like that, you make yourself a less attractive place to go. So I can only assume they've got some former patriot on the blower just ready to step in. <laughs> Brian Hoyer is ready. Well, I think it might be a different Brian. <laughs> um, they, uh, the other piece of coaching news, and we will come back to the uh, Collie thing, but just quickly to mention it, because you did mention that the Giants gave up on the season. Uh, just after we recorded our episode on Tuesday, Joe Judge was fired. Anyway, back to David Collie. Because that was blatantly obvious. Yeah, I mean... Any anyone with a pulse and a brain could see that Joe Judge was on his way out. Like the yeah, the Cully one just hurts me so much because as as a fan, you want to look at the NFL as a meritocracy. You know what I'm saying? Like you want to look at these as being sort of the best guys available. And it's like if if Cully can do that sort of a job and get fired, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, the little optimist in me died a little bit. Yeah. Uh... Uh, one of the things that I found out recently was that um, apparently David Culley's like five year contract that he signed that was like he was he was gonna get like four years of payout because he's been fired for pretty much no reason based off of his own actual performance. Turns out that they only gave him two years of guaranteed money, so he's gonna get one year of payout and the rest is stricken off. So, um, which is part of the thing that made me think that he knew. The what like there was when you say five years, but only two years is guaranteed. Like, I think you probably you probably can read between the lines on that fairly easily, right? Yeah, that's like the contract that Swansea gave me me to after the after the injury. <laughs> did Swansea give me to the contract after the injury? I think they did. Yeah, one for the taste um, contract Hall of Fame. Yeah, <laughs> but um, just one. I've got a little point. It's not Cully related, but a little point of. Uh, this year is every four years there's a year where the nfc west <laughs> plays the afc west and that year is weirdly always cursed and there are some ridiculous games so i'm looking forward to 2022 already when we have games like cardinals chiefs oh chargers Ooh. niners and because of the Chargers-Niners. whole because of the whole new um uh, thing where the seventeenth game is now based off of the division you played two years ago, and also there's there's a whole bunch of great matchups coming. That's all I'm saying. There's a whole bunch of great matchups. Like uh, I reckon the Chiefs are going to be playing someone interesting, and it might actually be slightly better. There's some speculation that uh, at the moment that the Packers have got their ninth, they've got that extra home game next year against the Patriots. There's a little bit of speculation that it would be played over here in London, in which case I would have to shell out like 400 quid to go because that yeah, would be heads and shoulders the biggest game they've ever sent over. <laughs> yeah, I would pay. I would pay an infinite amount of money to watch that game. Um, one, one for one for you, fat sports fans. Uh, Colts Vikings. Oh, sickos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I promised. When? I promised everyone Mom. exciting football. Not... Okay, okay. <laughs> Jags Lions. Now Ooh. that's more like it. <laughs> Tank Bowl twenty twenty two. It's coming. Oh, but yeah. Let's uh, let's get out of here. 
let's get into the into the review next week and hopefully we can have some exciting football to talk about but thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you later